Coming to you from deep inside the bowels of a great big empty. Get ready for another episode of The Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. Hello, American families. Welcome to this week's episode of The Home Defense Show. I'm your host, Skip Coriel. And if you love your family, care about them deeply, and want to learn how to protect them in every facet of your life, you've come to the right place. we got a great show for you today, and I know that you're going to love it. You know, I haven't used that intro in a long time. Maybe it's been, what, six months or so? But I just love that intro. <laughs> All about God, family, country. I mean, that's, that's Skip Coriel. That's the Home Defense Show. You know, today, we do, have a, we do have a great show. We always have a great show. But today, we've got Tom Lambert, president of Michigan Open Carry. And we're going to be talking about the rescinding of the Michigan CPL waiver that was once issued uh, by the ATF. ATF took it away, said, hey, Michigan CPL is no longer any good as, as far as rescinding the waiver from the NICS check. Um, so, you know, we'll talk about that more in length in segments two and three. So stay tuned for that. You know, everybody's talking about it. So, hey, we might as well talk about it too. What else do I want to talk about? Remember, for you longtime listeners, it must have been a, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I started talking about this pistol that I really, really wanted. Uh, it was from Suarez International, Gabe Suarez stuff, and it was called the Gutter Snipe. It was like his signature pistol, right? And and what he does is he takes a a uh, like a Glock 17 frame, and you send him your own frame. Just send him just a frame, and then he cuts it down, and he uh, shaves it down a little bit on the uh, the butt of the the grip there, makes it a little smaller, so that it's more similar to a Glock 19, and then he'll uh, he adds a a match grade slide, one that he makes right there in his uh, machine shop. He'll make a match grade slide, a match grade barrel. He'll put on one of his face uh, shooter triggers. The slide, it's already come pre-milled, you know, to accept my Trijicon RMR red dot sight, which is, you know, phantasmagorical. Uh, actually, my uh, my eight-year-old daughter, every time I use that word phantasmagorical, she says, Daddy, that's not a real word. And I said, yeah, but isn't it cool? So... It's phantasmagorical. So, uh, you know, I, I finally, after a year and a half of talking about it, I shipped Gabe my, uh, uh, my Glock frame. And uh, I, did, I don't have a Glock 17 or a Glock 19. So, you know, we did some talking off air. And uh, he said, J just send me your, you, you got a Glock 22, Glock model 22. Go ahead and send me that frame. We'll work with it. And, you know, we can use that one. So I said, okay, great. And uh, he's going to send me back a 9mm uh, gutter snipe uh, exactly the way I want it, which, you know, anytime you can get something made exactly the way you want it, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good deal. So I'm excited about my, my gutter snipe. I don't know when it's going to get here. I hope soon. Uh, they just received it, like today. And that I tell you what, last Thursday... I went out and I was, and I shipped this frame. All I had to do was, you know, you know, field strip down my, my Glock Model 22, right? Field strip it down, put the frame. It's a couple of ounces, right? Plastic frame. 
stick it in a padded envelope inside a, a UPS box, and then take it and ship it to uh, Prescott, Arizona, right? Simple, easy, right? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Now, no, that, that's not easy at all. It, in fact, it's very, very difficult. <laughs> I was so frustrated that day. You know, I went to uh, this uh, one store, you know, where they do UPS stuff. It's called Go and Postal, right? So I go there, and they said, oh, wow, a gun part, huh? Oh, you sure it's not the whole gun? No, it's not the whole gun. It's just just a frame. You want to see it? No, no, we don't want to see it. Don't don't take it out of that wrapper there. And, you know, it's like it's going to get up and start running around shooting people, right? And they said, well, you know, we don't like to do that. And I said, well, okay, what, let's do it. Let's do it anyway, right? And they said, well, okay, well, we're going to need, you know, uh, a paper printed copy of, uh, you know, the FFL license and the manufacturer's license uh, for Suarez International before we can do that. And I go, what? This is nuts, right? So I said, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And then I left. I said, there's no way I'm doing that. That's That's crazy. So I just left. I said, okay, fine. I'll go to a different place. So I, I get on the phone and go, Siri, take me to the nearest UPS store, right? So I drive into Kalamazoo. I go to the, the UPS store. And I walk in there and tell them what I need to do, thinking that, yeah, they'll comply, right? And he says, ah, no, I'm sorry. We don't ship anything that has anything to do with any firearm. And I said, really? Why is that? Uh, well, we're a franchise. We're not owned by UPS, so, you know, I we, we don't do anything like that. Liability and what what that's like code word for it's not politically correct, or or the person who owns the UPS uh, franchise is anti-gun. That's my suspicion, right? So I said, okay, listen, I got to get this to Arizona. He says, well, you know, you could try going to the UPS distribution center. I don't think they can help you, you know, because you can't ship firearms anywhere. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, that's crazy. That's just nutty, right? This is just like one part of a pistol. That's all I'm talking about, you know, and, and it's like two, three ounces. And he, so he said, okay, here's the address. You, you can try them, but I don't know if they can help you. So I go to the UPS distribution center thinking, all right, I'm going to have to make a scene. And by now, I'm, I'm, I'm just boiling inside. And I'm having to remind myself, I'm sitting out in the car going, okay, Skip, you got to stay calm. Stay calm. Just relax. Okay? Just relax. It's going to be okay. Somehow, some way, you'll get this pistol frame to Arizona, right? And, and, and I know, I've dealt with anti-gun people before, right? And anti-gun corporations. And it's like, most of the time, the guy behind the counter, he's... He's a peon, right? You know, he makes 15 bucks an hour or whatever, and he's got a little check sheet, and it doesn't matter how much you argue with him or how mad you get at him. He's uh, He still can't do what you want, right? So I go in there thinking, all right, I'm going to have to take some crap, and then I'm going to have to complain and talk to a supervisor and all this stuff. So I go in there, and the guy behind the counter says, okay, what, what are you going to ship today? And I'm going, okay. I feel like I have to apologize, right? I'm sorry. I, I, I want to ship part of a gun, just one little piece. And he said, uh, oh, okay. All right, uh, you got it in the bag? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got it right here. Oh, okay. I said, really? You're going to do it? He said, of course I'm going to do it. Yeah, we do it all the time. Oh, wow. 
that's fantastic. I said, this is the third store I've been to. And I, I told him the other two places I've, I've been to, and he says, yeah, those guys are idiots. You know, they shouldn't have told you that. There's nothing wrong with what you want to do. And I'm going, yeah, baby, yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's like in five minutes, I was out of there, and they shipped it to uh, Gabe Suarez in Prescott, Arizona, and it was, uh, it was good to go. It was like easy. And I'm thinking, the world is run by morons. You know, you got to go to the right place. From now on, hey, all you guys, you got to ship a gun. You know, the whole gun. You can ship a gun through UPS. You just got to go to the UPS distribution center and not to one of these franchises because, you know, it's like they have no, they don't have any testicles, okay? So you've got you've to go to the UPS distribution center where they've got some scrote. Uh, so, hey, it's on the way. I'm excited about it. And I'm hoping in a week or two, uh, we can give you, uh, uh, you know, like a, uh, a demonstration on my new gutter snipe um, from uh, Gabe Suarez, Suarez International. All right. Well, hey, boy, we are about out of time for this segment. Uh, when we come back, oh, we're going to be talking with Tom Lambert, president of Michigan Open Carry. We're going to be talking all about the uh, rescinding uh, by the ATF of the Michigan CPL Knicks waiver. Uh, gosh, it's just nasty, nasty stuff that we got to deal with, but we'll, we'll deal with it in segments two and three. Got a two-minute break coming up. While we're our way, go ahead and check out our sponsors, firearmslegal.com slash Tactical, and protect your family against uh, any liability that could happen if you have to use your firearm for defense. Uh, also, check out Center Shot Indoor Gun Range. That's where I go to train. It's where I go to teach. CenterShotGunRange.com, where it's always a perfect 70 degrees. All right, we'll come back. Tom Lambert, Michigan Open Carry. This is Skip Coriel on Home Defense Show. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome to the Home Defense Show with my dad, Skip Coriel. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Wouldn't it be wonderful if life was like the movies and the good guys always won? In today's world, if you're forced to use your firearm to protect yourself, you will need protection. Firearms Legal Protection is here for you. FLP provides you with seasoned, experienced attorneys that handle your criminal and civil matters as a result of you protecting yourself. FirearmsLegal.com provides its members with uncapped attorney's fees, bail bond protection, and coverage in all 50 states. We are not a reimbursement plan. You can access uncapped attorney's fees for as low as $10 a month. Firearms Legal members are provided with educational services, training videos, and access to our vast national attorney network. While you're protecting yourself, let Firearms Legal protect you. Listen up, folks. This is important. There are plenty of legal protection services out there, but none will protect you as well as Firearms Legal Protection. This is the one I use and the only one I recommend. Visit FirearmsLegal.com slash Midwest Tactical and protect your family now. Hey folks, I want to tell you about my book, Civilian Combat, the Concealed Carry Book. More and more people across the country are seeing the dangers in society and are deciding to carry concealed to protect themselves and their families. My new book lays it out step by step. It'll teach you how to protect and defend the ones you love. Get the benefit of 19 years of teaching experience and a lifetime of training for this important role in society and in your family. You can get Civilian Combat real easy. Just go to Amazon.com, search on Skip Coriel Civilian Combat, and it'll pop right up there. Don't put it off any longer. Get Civilian Combat, the concealed carry book by yours truly, Skip Coriel. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Coriel. Today we are speaking with Tom Lambert, 
the president of Michigan Open Carry and a good friend of the Home Defense Show. Tom, welcome to the Home Defense Show. Hi, good to talk to you again, Skip. Well, of course it is. Everyone says that. And, of course, they mean it. Now, Tom, uh, before we launch right into it, uh, just tell us, uh, you know, give us your 30-second your brief on Michigan Open Carry. What are you all about? Sure. Uh, Michigan Open Carry is a big gun group in the state of Michigan. Uh, as you can tell by the name, we promote the open carry of a holstered handgun. And in addition to that, we generally work uh, to promote general Second Amendment issues in the state of Michigan, whether it's uh, advocating in Lansing for legislation, whether it's in the courts through litigation, or whether it's just to the general public uh, educating on the laws uh, of the state of Michigan. Awesome, awesome. And, of course, I'm a life member of Michigan Open Carry, uh, and I work hand-in-hand with you. Uh, so, Tom, you know, I, I got this uh, email. I think I saw it on Facebook first. Uh, you posted it. Uh, there is uh, something going on with the ATF and Michigan's um, exemption uh, waiver, I guess, for Michigan CPL as far as the NICS check goes. Can you tell us first exactly what is going on uh, with the ATF, the NICS waiver? What, what is, all, is it all about? Sure. Let's, let's talk about what a NICS waiver is really quick, just to make sure everyone's on the page. Back in the 90s, uh, you know, Congress passed the, the Brady Act, and that requires a check, a background check, to be run on every firearm transfer that goes through a federally licensed dealer, or FFL. And again, that check is what we call the NICS check, the NICS check. However, you don't have to have a NICS check run on you if you have a state license, and according to the federal statute, where the, the state law requires, effectively, you receive a background check before you get that license. Right. And the methodology or the thinking behind it is obvious. Why should we make you go get another background check when you've already passed a background check that's as strong if or stronger than the one you're going to get at a gun show. It saves everybody time. It saves you time. It saves the gun dealer time. It saves the federal government time. Time and money, of course. So it just makes a ton of sense. A question. I'm going to play devil's advocate here, uh, just because I can hear someone asking this out there. Let's say you got your CPL, you know, two years ago, and since then you've done something wrong. Is it important that they get... Uh, you know, a check every time they purchase a gun because they may have, you know, just robbed a bank or, uh, you know, got a restraining order or something against them? How does, how does that work? Well, chances are, in, in that case, if you've done something wrong to lose your license, you're no longer going to have it. The, the Michigan State Police monitor, uh, the way we do things in Michigan especially, we monitor people who have licenses. So if you're charged with any crime or do anything wrong that might otherwise jeopardize your license, the state police notify the county clerk in your area very quickly, and you lose your license very quickly. You get a letter in the mail, you're told, look, you've got to turn this in, otherwise you can face a crime unless you turn it in again very quickly. And generally what happens, and keep in mind, that's on the conviction, or not, sorry, that's not on the conviction, that's on the charge. Right. Yeah. You don't show up in a NICS background check until you've been convicted. 
And so if you've already been convicted of something, you've already gone to court, and if you haven't turned your license in, they'd say, look, you better turn it in right now or we're not going to let you go home or we're going to put you in jail. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody has a license in Michigan, our system is far more strict than what they have at the federal level, which is, again, why they, at least up until last week, recognized the Michigan license as qualifying for this waiver. Okay. All right. Well, that satisfies uh, uh, my my question and any other reasonable person. So, okay. So, uh, thanks for that explanation. Uh, continue, please. In two thousand six, that's when the ATF first recognized the Michigan CPL as qualifying for this waiver. And the reason they did it in two thousand six is in two thousand five we amended our laws of the state of Michigan to require not just the state police look at the, your background in our own records, but that they also run the NICS check on you before you get the CPL. And that satisfies the federal law. And if anyone is interested, it's an 18 U.S.C. 922 subsection T as in Tom. It just basically requires, again, that they run that background check. Our, it requires the state law to require that background check. And so our state law required not only our own background checks, but the federal one, too, in 2005 for the CPL. And that's why we first got that waiver. Now, the thing is, our law still says that today. Yeah. Nothing has changed. And so the first thing when we say, well, why is the ATF suddenly revoking our waiver? Has did something changed in our law? No. The, the only requirement or the only relevant requirement for us to have this waiver, we still satisfy that 100% today, just like we did back in 2006 when they first recognized our license. And furthermore, until last week, we actually had two licenses in Michigan that satisfied it. Not just the CPL, but the LPP, or the license to purchase a pistol. Some mm -hmm. people call it the purchase permit. Right. You can go get those from any local licensing authority, which is a police department or a sheriff's department. Right. That license today still qualifies as a NICS waiver, which makes things extra interesting. <laughs> Folks, we're speaking uh, with Tom Lambert, president of Michigan Open Carry. Uh, all right, Tom, it is kind of interesting, uh, um, kind of dicey, uh, I think, in, in my thinking, because it's like, in Michigan, on our end, nothing has changed. But obviously, something's changed. We just don't know for sure what it is. Is that a correct summation? Yeah, that's about right. There, there are lots of theories out there, but let's just go back to the requirement is that our state law require the background check. Our state law requires the background check. So if you want to put this on a piece of paper, there is one checkbox to check. Our state law checks it. So what, under what authority now does the ATF have to say, we're not complying with federal law? In my opinion, I don't think they really have any to say this. They, they, while they do have deference um, and the ability to interpret the law in ways that we might not think are correct, uh, they do have some latitude. But here, the statute's very clear, and it provides one checkbox, and we check it. Now, in the letter that they issued, they, they, were, they were a little vague and ambiguous in t as to what is the, what's behind them revoking our waiver. They cited two things. 
They cited that the MSP has been and continues to issue CPLs to people who are possibly prohibited under federal law due to domestic or misdemeanor domestic violence convictions and uh, indications that they are habitual marijuana users. So those are the two things we've been looking into. Hmm. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. And, and notice they said possibly right. prohibited under federal law. Well, wait a minute. Are they or aren't they? If they're not, then I'm sorry, ATF, you have no business here. Well, if it, they are, I, I really have a hard time believing that the MSP is issuing licenses to these people. Well, and I guess the first thought that popped into my mind, um, similar to red flag, there's like no due process. They're just, it's possible that this is happening, so therefore we're going to pull your, your waiver. But isn't that possible with every state that they're not doing it correctly or not carrying through with their responsibilities? Exactly. It, anything's possible. But let's just, just for the sake of argument here, to show you um, what's important and what's not, let's just say they're right. Let's say the state police, they're issuing licenses to people who shouldn't have them under federal law. Remember it off with, what is the law? Federal statute, 18 U.S.C. 922T, and you can go in specifically from there, but I, I won't go too far, requires one thing. That state law require the background check to be run. Yeah. We require the background check to be run. I, I don't see anywhere in the federal statute where it says you have to have 100% accuracy. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Folks, we're speaking with uh, Tom Lambert, president of Michigan Open Carry, about the uh, the rescinding of the NICS waiver for Michigan CPL. Um Okay, Tom, I think we got a good handle on, on what happened, what's required, all of that stuff. Um, I want to take a quick break here, and when we come back, I want to talk about some of these theories uh, that, we, uh, that, that you were talking about. You, you got uh, another 10 minutes to deal with that when we come back? Sure. All right. Okay, folks, this is Skip Coriolan, Home Defense Show. We're going to take a two-minute break here while we're away. Go ahead and check out our sponsors, farmslegal.com slash Midwest Tactical. And then also check out Center Shot Indoor Gun Range, centershotgunrange.com, where it's always a perfect 70 degrees. This is Skip Coriolan, Home Defense Show. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Always use guns safely and wisely. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Would you like to take your tactical and marksmanship training to the next level? If the answer is yes, you need to check out Center Shot Indoor Gun Range just south of Grand Rapids, conveniently located off US-131. Center Shot is one of the most advanced firing ranges in Michigan. Center Shot firing lanes have nearly 100 customizable shooting programs to make you better no matter what your skill level. Our advanced lanes allow a more immersive training experience to enhance your senses. Controlled lighting and target movement mean that you get the best practice and most fun out of Center Shot indoor gun range. Memberships are available for as low as $150. Center Shot also offers a 10% discount to U.S. military veterans. So, no matter what the weather, hot, cold, or in between, Center Shot Indoor Gun Range is always a perfect 70 degrees. This is where I train every week, and so should you. Find out more by going to centershotgunrange.com or call them at 616-371-7468. 
Stay safe, and I'll see you at CenterShot Indoor Gun Range. Hey folks, I want to tell you about my new book, Concealed Carry for Christians. More and more people across the country are seeing the dangers in society and are deciding to carry concealed to protect themselves and your family, and that includes people of faith. Our churches are not as safe as they used to be, and that's why I included chapters on forming church safety teams and stopping mass shooters. You can get Concealed Carry for Christians real easy. Just go to Amazon.com, search on Skip Coriel, Concealed Carry for Christians, and it'll pop right up there. Don't put it off any longer. Get Concealed Carry for Christians by yours truly, Skip Coriel. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Coriel. Today we are speaking with Tom Lambert, the president of Michigan Open Carry, uh, my uh, Second Amendment buddy, my good friend, uh, and you are always knowledgeable. You're always on top of everything going on uh, related to the Second Amendment, especially here in Michigan. Now, Tom, in the last segment, you mentioned some possible theories on why the ATF is doing that when they haven't done this in like 15 years. Uh, can you, you got a handle on those? Can you explain them to us? Uh, well, as to why they're they're doing that, there's there's a lot of talk inside the gun community right now, and and people who are paying attention to what the ATF is doing with these NICS waivers, and a lot of us are pretty sure that the ATF is making a conceited effort to go take away as many of these waivers as possible because they don't like them for one reason or another. For example, uh, Alabama just recently lost their NICS waiver for a similar but different reason. The reason cited in Alabama is that sheriffs who issue the license in Alabama, that they are allegedly not running the NICS check on the licenses that they issue, or all of them. And while, again, we discussed last segment that the requirement is that state law say something, and Alabama law says exactly what it's supposed to say, you can at least make an argument that, well, in, I don't know, I'm just making up numbers, 30% or 50% of the licenses in Alabama, while the state law says one thing, the sheriffs are not complying with that requirement for whatever percentage. You can at least make that argument. Here in Michigan, the state police process about 140,000 licenses per year. And if the ATF somehow finds that they messed up on, I don't know, 5, 10, can't imagine it's any significant number whatsoever, that's a completely different argument than any that might apply in Alabama. And so they just go back to, under what basis are they doing this? I really don't see any. And we can go into the specific legal arguments in terms of marijuana and domestic violence, because we think what's going on is the ATF is not only misreading federal law, they're ignoring federal appellate court precedent that applies to them. Hmm. Well, if that's the case... Uh, well, first, how would we know that was the case unless they just come out and admit it? And if that is the case, what what can be done about it? Sure. We, we don't know for sure unless they just come out and completely admit it. And we think that's why the letter was vague and ambiguous, that they didn't cite specifically what's going on, because if they did, they would have given us everything we needed to go file suit against them. Mm -hmm. But when we, we, when we look at things, we say, well, look, Again, I'm going to go back to it. Federal law provides one checkbox. Mm -hmm. We check that box. In my opinion, that's enough for us to go file suit and say, all right, you guys make your case now. 
and you provide us with whatever evidence you have to say that our state law doesn't say what it's supposed to say. And, by the way, good luck, because yeah. in 2006 you already acknowledged that it said everything it needed to. You know, kind of like that bump stock thing where they go back and forth. Oh, <laughs> we're we're going to change our mind, even though nothing in the law changed. Yeah. Well, um, well, when it comes to domestic violence, we'll, we'll take the issues separately. Many people think, and, and I used to be one of these people, that a domestic violence misdemeanor would make you a prohibited person under federal law. That is not true in Michigan. And you have to go into the federal statute on uh, 18 U.S.C. 922G, which deals with prohibited persons, and then you have to go into the federal regulation, and you have to look at what constitutes as a domestic violence misdemeanor. And it says, oh, yes, well, it's domestic violence as a misdemeanor, but then it also says it doesn't apply to anyone who blah, 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 a number of things, including have had their rights restored. And that clause was interpreted by the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is a federal appellate circuit that Michigan is in, Mm -hmm. a number of years ago in United States versus Sanford. And they looked at it and they said, under Michigan law, the longest anybody with one of these domestic violence misdemeanors, uh, the longest we hold that against them is eight years. Turns out the CPL was the longest thing that we would, would punish them. We said you couldn't get a CPL for eight years, and so we technically held that conviction against them for eight years. After that, after that eight-year period, Michigan law would no longer say, would no longer punish the individual. And so the court said, well, after that time, you've had your rights restored, and so you're no longer considered a prohibited person under the federal law. And so in Michigan, bottom line, if you have a domestic violence misdemeanor. I, I really underscore that because the felony versions, people think, oh, domestic violence, you hit your spouse. Mm-hmm. That's generally the felony stuff. Right. The misdemeanor one, it's more of an eight-year disqualifier, not a lifetime disqualifier. And again, that's the federal courts have said that. The federal courts bind the ATF. And it's not just a district court, it's a federal court of appeals. So what are they looking at there? I I don't know. If they're looking at people who have a domestic violence misdemeanor on their record from less than eight years ago, well, then perhaps, yeah, the MSP screwed up. But again, screwed up on two or three licenses, okay. Screwed up on 50, maybe uh, 50%. Now maybe the ATF has an argument. Otherwise, I don't think they really do. Yeah. Boy. So it's got to be really small in number. If the ATF is even right, it's got to be really small in number. And then you go to the marijuana issue. People say, well, Michigan just legalized recreational marijuana, so that's got to have something to do with this. Frankly, I don't see how. I don't see how whatsoever. I, I've uh, discussed a number of times that even if you have a medical marijuana license, that doesn't make you a prohibited person under federal law because it's not the possession of a license that makes you a prohibited person, it's the use of the substance. There is zero argument that if you use marijuana, whether you're licensed by any state, that you are a prohibited person under federal law. But simply having a license to do that doesn't make you the prohibited person, even though that may trigger something in, there are two statutes, 922D and 922G, regulate both sides of the, of the interaction. I don't want to go into it too deeply. Bottom line, it doesn't do that. But recreational use, where there's no license whatsoever, unless there's some sort of arrest or some sort of conviction to indicate that someone is a user, 
You can't just suddenly say, well, since every CPL holder could technically use marijuana lawfully under state law, we're going to assume that they are all doing so. That is entirely unreasonable. Hmm. Well, yeah, and so I agree with you. What basis would it would there be to say something dealing with marijuana use under Michigan law has changed something? I, I can't see anything that would. And there are numerous other states that have medical marijuana who maintain a NICS waiver. And there are other states as well that have recreational marijuana that also maintain a NICS waiver, including, remember what we talked about in the beginning, including Michigan. Mm-hmm. We still have a license, the license to purchase a pistol, that still counts as a NICS waiver, and ATF just reaffirmed that. And so if all the stuff that we just talked about, if all the domestic violence stuff is relevant, and if all the marijuana stuff is relevant, and if I've just completely missed something, mm-hmm. well, then so is the ATF, because they still consider our license to purchase a pistol as a valid NICS waiver. So why target just the CPL and not the license to purchase a pistol? All right, Tom, you're throwing a lot, a lot at me here, and it's, it's making <laughs> sense. You're, you're describing it well, um, and I understand it. But my first thought is, and... You know, call me paranoid if you want to, but is it possible that politics is entering in here? Some bureaucrat somewhere in the ATF just got a new job, and uh, they don't like guns, don't want anybody to have guns, and so they're going to change this and send out this letter? Oh, that's entirely possible. Um, You know, it's a bureaucratic agency. People change positions, uh, new leadership. You know, we've seen with our, our current president, even though he says he's, he's uh, well, make sure our Second Amendment rights are protected. Maybe that's not entirely true when it comes to how the ATF has been acting or how he directs the ATF to, to act. But even if we go down that road, even if we assume all that, federal law has not changed. Yeah. Michigan law that's relevant has not changed. And we are all, whether we like it or not, still bound by all of the laws. And so they still have to answer to what the law says. Even the federal government? (laughs) (laughs) Even the federal government. And even though we like to give them lots and lots of deference to interpret it, any interpretation they come up with still has to be reasonable under the law. And I, I hope I've gone into so many different levels, like, look, Federal law says they're wrong, that they don't even have an argument. Even if we have an argument, their argument is irrelevant. Even if their argument is relevant, it still doesn't matter because they still um, think it's not relevant in another area. So yeah. we, can, we can go down to so many different layers as to problems and in, in poking holes in what the ATF has done. All right. Well, that brings two things to mind here. Uh, one thing. You know, uh, everyone keeps telling me we don't have to worry about our Second Amendment rights because Donald Trump will protect us. And, uh, you know, I, that, I, I've i never bought that um, at all. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's not going to, he's not as bad as Barack Obama or Hillary would have been or whatever. Okay. But we still have to stay vigilant and not take anything for granted, you know, because all of these federal agencies, they're run by bureaucrats, you know, who are like career uh, people who never go away. And uh, so, you know, there's that. And the second thing that I, that I want to tell you about or ask you about is, all right, the damage is done. 
Uh, we are, we've been rescinded. Our, the waiver's gone. What can we do about it? Or can we not do anything about it? Great question. And that, that's a lot of, the next thing that we lead to. I will not give you specifics on it, but I will be very surprised if you do not see a lawsuit filed by the end of this week. We've been working with some people, getting the right people connected with the right people. Uh, we've talked with attorneys who completely agree with everything I've just told you. And, yeah, if, if we get to the end of the week and you do not see a lawsuit filed in federal court against the ATF, I will be very surprised. So it sounds like we need to talk again. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> I, I think this is the beginning of this, not the end. Uh, people should understand that. As inconvenient as this is and as bad as this is, we've already seen people. Look, I have a CPL. Every time I go to my dealer, I don't have to get this background check, but I just did today. They made me get a background check, and I was denied. I've never had so much as a speeding ticket. Why wow. did I even get denied, and why do I have to even do this? <laughs> it's, it's, it's damaging people because our state system, as, as much as I attack the state system, it is more accurate than the federal system. Yeah. And so we, we, we've always said that, look, to, to as while this stuff is bad, at least enjoy the perks it gives you, mm-hmm. and that's more accurate background check. I don't think anybody's going to question going through a more accurate system. But even though as bad as this is now, it's going to be a long time until it gets cleaned up. Oh, by filing in federal court, federal courts do not move quickly. Do not expect this to get cleaned up soon. Are we talking months or years? Probably at least a year. Ah, jeez. You know, and, and see that's the thing. If if the worst case scenario, this is some bureaucrat, you know, who uh, hates guns, just by issuing the letter, he knew. Well, you know what? In the end, you're going to win, uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with you for a year and take away your rights for a year. I mean, that's how these people think. Sure, and it, it, it's a game, and they know uh, we've dealt with it with state preemption. When some of these local units of government say, "Well, I'm going to disregard state preemption and I'm going to pass a law," and I know you're going to sue me. But you know what? The attorney that we hire is going to be with taxpayer-funded money. In fact, taxes that we took from you. And not only that, you're going to have to go fund your own attorney, and you're going to have to spend resources on this that you're not going to put towards something else. So, yeah, if I uh, spend a year bleeding you of $20,000, that's $20,000 that you're not spending on something that's uh, promoting your goals. All right. So, hey, that leads me to my, my final point here. Uh, it sounds like Michigan Open Carry is involved in this, and you're using MOC resources uh, to help defend uh, our rights and get this taken care of. So how can people uh, donate to Michigan Open Carry so that uh, you, know, we, you, you guys have the funds necessary to deal with this kind of stuff? Sure. We're always happy to help have people help us out um, wherever they feel that we've earned their support. The best way to do that is by joining the organization and or making a donation to do that. And you can do that by going to our website, miopencarry.org. It's miopencarry.org. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Encourage people to actions so that we can help educate the public as to how our gun laws work. Our goal isn't necessarily to be the, the big source of information for everyone. It's to educate people and thereby empower them to make their own decisions. 
Yeah. And and I would I would stress as well, you don't have to actively open carry to be a member of Michigan Open Carry. I I I seldom open carry. Um but I want to have the the right and I want that right protected and you guys don't protect just the rights of open carriers. I mean, you also protect the rights of concealed carriers and, you know, people who may own a gun or and just not carry at all, correct? Absolutely. When it when Specifically when it comes to the method of carry, we might promote open carry, and we absolutely do, but we promote concealed carry as well. At the end of the day, we say, look, we want you to know the benefits and drawbacks of every form of carry, and we want you to make the decision that best suits you in your specific circumstances. It's not up to me. It's most certainly not up to the government. So as long as you're making the decision, whatever you decide, open carry, concealed carry, no carry at all, as long as you're making that decision, I'm happy. All right, so people should be watching the news here. Uh, they can probably go to miopencarry.org and your, your Facebook, Michigan Open Carry Facebook page. And sometime in the next uh, four or five days, uh, they're going to be reading something about uh, some court activity, correct? Hopefully. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm not necessarily in the driver's seat there, so that's why I don't want to commit to any specific timelines, but something soon. Hey, that's fantastic. All right, uh, we're running out of time here, Tom, but I want to thank you very, very much for being on the Home Defense Show and for educating all of us on this important subject. No problem. I'm happy to come back and talk to you anytime. All right, I'm going to take you up on that. All right, this is Skip Coriel on Home Defense Show. We're going to take a two-minute break here. While we're away, go ahead and check out our sponsors, farmslegal.com slash Tactical, and also centershotgunrange.com. And go also go to miopencarry.org and uh, see if you can uh, sign up and help out with Michigan Open Carry on this important subject. This is Skip Coriel on the Home Defense Show. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome to my dad's home defense radio show. You're going to love it. Well, Skip, it's time for the Armed America Report. All of us here at Frontlines of Freedom want our listeners to get trained and get armed in that order. We fully support the right to keep and bear arms for all law-abiding families, and we encourage you to find out about the laws governing use of deadly force in your state and follow them to the letter. And, of course, don't forget to follow the rules of safety and common sense whenever you're carrying a firearm to protect the ones you love. What's the story this week, Colonel? Well, a truck driver unloading bread at a restaurant in Jonesboro, Georgia, on the morning of November 30th, saw employees run from the building calling for help. They said that a man with a gun jumped over the counter and demanded cash. The delivery driver reportedly retrieved his firearm and went inside. He and the suspect exchanged gunfire before the suspect fled. Police trapped the suspect to a home and called in a SWAT team, The suspect surrendered and was treated for two gunshot wounds. Impressed by the delivery driver's actions, the county sheriff made him an honorary deputy and inducted him in a Sheriff's Posse Hall of Fame. Well, thanks, Colonel. And that's what I love about the southern United States. In general, they are very friendly towards civilian gun ownership. This guy is a bread truck delivery man, and he carried a gun for personal protection and managed to save the day. That just goes to show you that anyone with the warrior mindset and the right hardware can be a hero. Now, in some portions of the United States, people might take a different point of view. They might ask, why does a bread truck driver even need a gun? I mean, after all, he's driving a bread truck, not a Brinks armored car. And that question is at the crux and core to the Second Amendment. And when gun owners try to answer that question, they are falling prey to a common tactic used by the anti-gun left. 
By trying to answer that question, you are being put on the defensive because the Second Amendment has nothing to do with need. The right to keep and bear arms is a basic human right, a civil right, and you shouldn't be forced to prove that you have a need before you exercise it. After all, the right to keep and bear arms is every bit as strong as the right to free speech or the right to worship. I don't need to voice my opinion, but I do. I don't need to worship, but I choose to do so. The primary purpose of the Second Amendment is confusing to some people simply because it isn't routinely taught in school anymore. The Founding Fathers didn't insist on passing the Second Amendment in order to preserve your right to deer hunt or even for home or personal defense. They ratified the Second Amendment to ensure that the federal government never came after your guns. The Second Amendment is about protecting civilian gun ownership, period. So the next time someone asks you why you need a gun, tell them anything you want. For example, you would be perfectly justified in saying, one, it's none of your business, or two, because I can, three, because the sky is blue today, or four, anything else you can think of. You say there's really only one need for civilian gun ownership, and that's to hold the federal government accountable to its citizens. Without civilian firearm ownership, the federal government would be able to enslave us all. The founders knew that because it happened to them in their lifetime, and they wanted to make sure it never happened to their progeny. So to answer the question, why does a bread man need to carry a gun? I answer without apology, because he's an American, and that's what us Americans do. Well said, Skip. Welcome back to the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Coriel. Tom Lambert, President of Michigan Open Carry. Tom, thank you very, very much for all that information. You know, he understands all this legal crap, okay? I don't understand it. I don't speak legalese. I barely speak English. But it's like he throws around, ah, MCL2892, uh, hike, hike, you know, and then USC uh, FC code 51329A. And it's like, man, just tell me what it means, okay? And it's like, he actually knows. So isn't that great? Uh, you know, I don't have to understand the law. I just got to be good friends with someone who does understand the law. And hey, that's Tom Lambert. So good for yeah, I like Tom Lambert. And then I got, uh, you know, Terry Johnson from Firearms Legal, which <laughs> they're both two good guys to know, right? All right. So, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, Tom was throwing around there, he was talking about this... Uh, 18 USC 922T3A2. It's like, what is that? You know, and uh, so, you know, I went and I did a little research and I found it here. It's right online. And it says, uh, eight, you know, you need to know what it means, right? 18 USC 922T3A2, Roman numeral 2, provides that a NICS check is not required if the purchase, purchaser presents a license that was issued from a state that requires a government official verify that the licensee is not prohibited from possessing firearms. Further, 27 CFR 478.102D3 restates 922T and adds a requirement that the government official check NICS in the making that determination. Michigan Law, MCL 28. Point four two six satisfies this requirement and results and resulted in Michigan CPL being recognized as a waiver in the year 2006. Hey, none of that has changed. The only thing that's changed is the ATF and their nasty foul vile attitude. 
um, probably just one bureaucrat, one idiot there. You know, it takes one moron to screw up the whole world, right? Jeez, old Pete's. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because the world is run by idiots, and somehow you gotta, you got to live, right? You just got to live through it, and you got to sue the morons. So, you know, I was talking to Tom off the air, and I don't know if I'm supposed to spill the beans here, but, you know, he, he gave me some encouragement, right? He gave me some encouragement, and uh, some national gun rights organization is going to be suing the ATF. Uh, I won't tell you the acronym, but it's not the NRA, okay? Uh, it's a, uh, a no-nonsense gun rights organization, and I'm excited to see because, you know, maybe by the time you, you listen to this show, it will have already happened. Anytime now, they're going to be filing suit against the ATF. You know, and that's always a beautiful thing, isn't it? You know, when citizens sue the federal government, just to keep them honest. All right. Well, hey, we are about out of time for this uh, episode of the Home Defense Show. I just wanted to give you a wrap-up and tell you my two cents. My opinion plus a buck fifty will get you a cup of coffee at Denny's on a really good day. All right. Well, hey, folks, that about wraps it up for this week's episode of the Home Defense Show. Until next week, remember your purpose in life is to find something greater than yourself and serve it. Always remember, God, family, country, in that order. It's important how you live, but it's equally important how you die. Your family and the ones you love need your protection, so train, always train, stay alert, stay alive. Until next week on the Home Defense Show, this is your host, Skip Coriel. God bless you. God bless your family, and God bless America. Thank you for joining us this week on The Home Defense Show. Now, get out there and protect the ones you love. We'll see you next week with more of the best in home defense. Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! <laughs>